Stories Within Stories, Meanings That Point Upwards, The Cross Behind the Camera, by Josh and Brandon, and this is Crossover Collab, Director's Cut. Inversion, inverted. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, yeah. I meant to say, like, put it in some sort of software and just reverse it. Yeah. Dra- uh, drag and drop in Ableton. Press the R key. Boom. Sorted. Who good. has Ableton? Only the pros have Ableton nowadays. <laughs> I, I mean, don't have Ableton. Yeah. Um, Live 11's <sighs> coming out soon, uh, which I, I'm kind of kind of tempted to upgrade. But I don't know if uni's upgrade into it yet, so mm. I don't know if that's important. But That's exciting. Well, yeah. I'm just... <laughs> I've ended up using um, my wife's uh, MacBook and using GarageBand on there again. It's what I used to use, and do you know what? It does a job for me. Yeah, man. I know. I mean, I know you're probably a little sick. No, like me. honestly, <laughs> um, there's this uh, there's this thing one of my lecturers refers to as door wars, uh, <laughs> and um, it's like don't get into it. Mac versus mm-hmm. PC doesn't matter. Whatever you work best on. Logic yeah. versus Cubase versus Ableton versus GarageBand. Obviously, GarageBand is a bit more limited in what you can do. Oh, yeah, but definitely. If you can make something good using it, like the tools are only as good as what you can do with them. Uh, obviously, if you've got better tools, you can go a lot further with them. But like, even with basic tools, you can make something good. So, Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, I think it works better than Audacity. I've, I've tried that and no. Mm. I mean, Audacity gets me by for like, uh, editing little bits of audio and yeah, stuff, yeah. but I couldn't do a big project on it. No, yeah. no, no. Like, like these, I edit these in Audacity. Like, yeah, this is and by a edit, bit of behind I mean, the I, scenes. <laughs> by by edit, I mean I cut out a few ums and ahs. That's really it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, in terms of music, I I can't make it in Audacity just because it's got no um, blow my neck like track where it keeps the r- rhythm. Yeah, there's not like bars or anything. It's That's just time. It. Yeah, yeah. So um just a pre-warning, my my grammar and just my language in general is not fully active today. So <laughs> let's just let's it's just all keep right. it easy. Well, yeah, we're talking about pretty uh pretty simple movie today, Brandon. <laughs> so it's okay. You don't need to exert yourself. Uh all right, okay. You, who who don't know what tenet is uh spoilers ahead lol uh we could we could literally be as open about the whole movie and probably still not spoil it uh yeah, true <laughs> but um yeah so uh, tenet is uh the latest in the series of christopher nolan films uh it was very divisive when it came out because uh there were a lot of people who were like he's gone too far uh he <laughs> Now there are two of them uh, and stuff like that. Uh, it it was n- not good. There were, I saw some very angry uh, articles in the Guardian uh, yeah. that were uh, not that I go to the Guardian from a primary news source, but um, mm-hmm. just you know talking about how 
oh, was it was it really worth it to reopen the cinemas just for Tenet? It's like, yeah, yes, it was. Okay, <laughs> Tenet was a masterpiece. Y'all just didn't understand it, yeah. uh, and then you're angry that you didn't understand it. So you're like, oh, yeah. it was it was too pseudo intellectual. It's like, well, yeah, but it was also really emotional. So oh, it was so take emotional. That. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. So I think something that we can really talk about is what we further learned in our second watching of it because i think we both very clearly realized that we can't just watch it once and understand everything i i've said to you many times josh that actually the first time that i watched it and stepped outside the cinema i was legit going i hear that film what the heck was it <laughs> and then it took me 24 hours to meditate on it and then i was like i love this film it's fantastic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. really brilliant so it definitely takes time to soak in, to, to meditate on and, and really mm. understand it. And my, yeah. my, when you watch it the second time round, and it's been blooming months since I've last seen it. Mm. Wow. It's, it's great. I think yeah. particularly, the, talking on those reviews, I think one of the worst things that people heard about it was like, well, firstly, the mechanics. No one could really get their heads around them fully. Um, but the other thing was about, character development and emotion that was so clear in the second uh, viewing of the film yeah. i thought there was so much clarity in terms of how they interact with each other it's Definitely. just not the way that we're used to seeing it in modern cinema yeah yeah um, i mean the, the one of the biggest complaints that's made about nolan's characters is that they're like uh like talking exposition that they they mm. only serve as a uh, almost like a cog in the machine of the storytelling right that they're not individual characters i mean i would argue that uh, they haven't watched the films closely enough or like paid enough attention to how he yeah. characterizes them uh mm-hmm. I mean, Tenet is a very, uh, actually a very obvious one, strangely, because even though like one of the characters literally doesn't have a name, he's just called the protagonist. Mm. Like he's such a well-defined character. Like you, you yeah. know, kind of, well, maybe not know him inside and out, but like there's a, a consistency to how he acts, and you can see like his value system, and uh, mm. you know when he goes by the book and when he doesn't, uh, the fact that. Uh, at the beginning of the story, he doesn't uh, doesn't betray his uh, like agency. Um, yeah. All of that, like it's it's a strong character. And um, yeah. ah, what's her name? This Cats. no cat. There we go. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I do remember uh, <laughs> Satan's wife. Um, she is like an incredibly autonomous character and wow. you see like the whole way through the film this like struggle that she has um in that like you know she has it in her to just leave and yep. be free but she actually really cares about her son and that kind of conflict it's so organic uh i mean yeah i don't really have to explain why it's emotional it, it, it's kind of uh yeah it does become obvious when when you're paying more attention to the characters than the wait a minute they're going forwards and backwards <laughs> like the first uh, time i watched the film i definitely watched it a lot more actively because i was in the cinema it was imax exactly. it was epic it was <laughs> all the time it was great uh, i loved it um i also had the advantage of going with a couple of friends who'd seen it before 
Um, oh, right. Okay. So um, while they, you know, they didn't tell me what the plot was or anything. But, ah, but someone um, held your hand. Yeah, well, uh, it wasn't like in the cinema. They were like, oh, by the way, this is, it's no, like, yeah. no. But like afterwards on the walk back to our flat, like we were able mm-hmm. to like talk about it and what we could like, what our theories were on it and right, right, you know right. what we understood what we didn't and it, it kind of helped consolidate a bit more but uh yeah. while i was watching the film the first time this might help this might not uh, listeners at home uh to watch the film and whenever something happens backwards uh so at the start of the film when they first introduced the concept of inversion the idea of because uh, i realized we haven't explained it yet um it's like Normally, we move forwards through time in one direction, and we perceive that as linear time. Uh, what Tenet does is it invents a way for people to move backwards through time. It's a form of time travel where you're experiencing time still in a linear fashion, but the direction is reversed. Yeah. And so uh, when the protagonist is first introduced to the concept, um, he's like, oh, how come the uh, how come the bullet's already in the target? And the scientist lady is like, you're not shooting the bullet, you're catching it. Uh, And so he catches the bullet and then he's like, all right, I get it. So um, that's kind of the thing to keep in mind when watching these like really intense, like forwards and backwards scenes. I just had to say to myself, the plane is taking off kind of thing. Not the plane Mm -hmm. is landing because it looked like it was landing, but it was actually taking off. Um, Things like, I don't know, uh, yeah, someone's already bleeding because they were shot five minutes yeah. ago, which is technically five minutes ahead from yeah. their perspective. So, you know, yeah, it yeah, is yeah. it is confusing. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that uh, it's something that I've got all figured out. And I actually was no, more confused the second time I watched it. Oh, oh really? Uh, yeah, because I was paying less attention to the mechanic, the mechanical stuff. True, um, true, true. So, because the first time I was just like, "Yeah, let me just try and understand it." Because um, <laughs> the thing that was cool was the first half of the film is trying to get you to understand what inversion is like from the perspective of us. Yeah, and then the second half is kind of like, right now, try and understand it from the perspective of them. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it's like. All right, uh, have fun because <laughs> yeah, at the same time, um, right. and it's it's like a masterclass in Nolan's filmmaking. He he did that with Inception famously. Yeah, uh, you know, you introduce an idea, you develop it, you explore everything that's possible with that idea. By the end of it, you do an absolute mad lad. Like it, it's pretty much like video game design in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like the, if, if Tenet was a video game, people wouldn't be complaining about the inversion mechanic. They'd be like, this true. is amazing. <laughs> That's so true. But yeah, I mean, as we said before, it's unfortunately when you've got a piece of media that has to be condensed down to a couple of hours, there's only so much that you can do. And unfortunately, exposition has to be delivered through basic conversation and dialogue. Sometimes that is just the best way to condense that kind of knowledge down. Mm. Um, and also, a lot of it is actually done using mise-en-scene. Uh, so there's a lot yeah. of things that happen in the movie that reveal some of the exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the most obvious one, Red and Blue. Throughout the whole oh, yeah, film, definitely. 
the color red is always used to associate going forwards in time and blue going backwards. So when they find the um, the first like turnstile in Mm -hmm. the airport, uh, you can see very clearly on each door one of them's got a red square, the other one's got a blue square. Yeah. Stuff like that, like when you notice that, it's like, oh right, okay. So the mechanics mm-hmm. are actually like ingrained in everything about the film. Yes. It's not just two people talking to each other about quantum physics. That's just exactly. a very stylized way of Nolan delivering a lot of information quickly. But if you pay mm-hmm. attention to the other stuff that's going on, like the camera work, the items that are in the scene, and so on and yep. so forth, like you, you can figure out quite a bit. And the music, yeah. of course. Oh, <laughs> <favorite> God. <laughs> Definitely. Completely. Yeah. The amount of, um, yeah, the amount of times that the reverse kind of music would come in and stuff like that was just, it was phenomenal. And I mean, even the gas, uh, gas masks as well. Yeah. Clearly, uh, dem- it's a visual dem- demonstration of who they are, what, where they're at in time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is so great. And I actually want to jump back to your mention of Inception because that's something, it's one of my favorite films. I've watched it, for, uh, I'm going to say around 10 times, probably more. Um, I love it. And each time I watch it, there's still something new that I try and get out of it. It's one yeah. of those experiences yeah. where you really are savoring it. You're digesting every single part of it because it's, it's so complex. And it's what's funny is it's not at all complex compared to Tenet. <laughs> so like, <laughs> and Tenet's definitely one of those things where I think you really do have to watch multiple times before it really clicks. And you're like, mm. oh, and what helped a lot this time around was subtitles. <laughs> that, that actually did help. <laughs> I, you know, I, I didn't. Uh, put subtitles the second time round because um, well I, w- I watched it with my family and they don't like subtitles even even uh. if it's like it's like oh you guys want to watch a foreign film and again this isn't me being a pretentious film person I don't like watch foreign films all the time I'm not like oh yes I'm really into the <laughs> the obscure like I I'm not uh, I don't pretend <laughs> to be but the few times I have been like oh shall we watch this like Amelie or something and um, mm. it's like yeah, but it's got subtitles. It's like, okay, I have to read fast. It's like, okay. Right. Well, it's why don't you recommend to them, go learn a language, come back and watch it? Yeah. <laughs> what, what would you rather do? Read really fast or learn how to speak another language really fast? But yeah, um, the see, this is another thing. This is another interesting one. I, as a as a film composer, I'm supposed to hate the idea of sound design getting in the way of dialogue. Mm. Uh, I'm supposed to resent it with everything that I am. But uh, I kind of don't. <laughs> right. It's um, epic. It's, um, well, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's epic, but it is oh. realistic um, in that like, you've got this super intense situation going on and there's guns and stuff like if someone shoots a gun you can't hear anyone talking over that like you just can't yeah, that's true. just how it works in real life and the whole thing was like silences in hollywood films oh, is yeah. it's been very clearly proven silences don't literally <laughs> silence the gun like guns are loud there's a reason why silences were invented uh have so, you seen that scene from john wick uh i think i have you know not like i haven't seen the movies but i have seen like you know on youtube and people have uploaded like the meme bits where yeah literally that they're, they're quietly trying 
like to sneakily shoot each other in public right next to civilians and no one notices. <laughs> but because it got silences on, it's like, oh, no one no can one hear knows. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just makes a little... Uh, yeah, instead right. of a... Bah! Um, that, yeah, I'm a, I'm a voice actor. I, uh, I, play, <laughs> I play the part of John Wick's gun in John Wick Chapter 2, The, the Reckoning. His CV will be down below. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm not actually a voice actor. Uh, You're right. So I might dabble one day. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Continue anyway. Anyway, yes. Uh, so with the whole thing of yeah, the sound design. Um, this again, I think it comes from the misconception that the dialogue is the most important part of the film at any given time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it kind of comes from the uh, what did they call them? The, the talkies, that's it. The first ever non-silent films. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, there was this idea that because dialogue was now a thing and you could have a soundtrack, that, uh, that, that meant that, you know, the dialogue was an equally important part of the film, rightly mm. so. I wouldn't... Uh, and again, it's like, if the director wants the dialogue to be the most important thing, obviously the sound designers and the composers should stay out of the way like that's mm-hmm. that's a given it's the director's yeah, yeah. vision that counts that's what you're getting paid to fulfill so just do it and shut yeah. up but <laughs> if it's someone like christopher nolan who has time and again shown that like he doesn't mind like he literally said in an interview about inception like he realized that zimmer's music was so powerful for the momentum of a lot of the scenes in inception that he was just like we just got them to keep turning it up and up and up until it takes over everything and that as an aesthetic choice is uh i'd say just as valid as like any other approach to sound design yeah. uh so yes watching with subtitles is very advisable if you want to know what they're saying but uh to remember as well that even though it's something that was written in the script and something that nolan intended to be said he didn't necessarily intend for it to be heard and it doesn't always matter um as the as the scientist says at the start like uh um don't try to understand it feel exactly, it yeah. that's the yeah. that's the kind of central thing in film so completely yeah you you kind of got to have trust in it you got to have trust in the process and what you're watching and eventually you'll you'll be able to at least piece it all together but it, it takes time um mm. I, I think we should keep this point um in mind when we're talking about scripture in a little bit i think that's a very important thing to kind of remember yeah, when, yeah. when we are reading theology and stuff like that um but i knew there was, there was a couple more things that i wanted to touch on before we really dove into that dove is that is that dive dove yes english dave dave david we, D- david before we Come, david into it it comes from david the old english word for uh, a swimmer <laughs> what's even <laughs> hilarious is i'm like in my head i'm like does it does it really yeah i've just i've just got here on uh on google search uh, it shows the uh, popularity of the word over time there's a huge spike in 1300 uh, and then it's just zero and then in 2021 there's a little blip. <laughs> Honestly, David, it's coming back. It's coming back in form. Like 2021 is the year of the David. Uh, <laughs> uh. And our listeners have all left.
So, what other things that? Well, actually, I I wanted to really jump back on the bandwagon of the emotional kind of ties. It was so evident how much the protagonist cares for Cat. I think that is such a crucial part of it because, particularly, um, the entire time when they're traveling from one turns dial slash um, vault to the mm. other in the airport. Yeah, yeah. A, a very crazy fight with himself, which, the, oh my gosh, the choreography is fun. Yeah. As a dancer, I can say that choreography is one of the best that I have seen. I haven't watched a lot of, like, um, I'd say other than Jackie Chan films because that, that, that choreography is just epic. Mm. But, like, and I even looked behind the scenes as well. Like, they fully choreographed that. Like, that's real-time choreography. That's not necessarily camera tricks or stuff like that. Whoa. So much control. Awesome. Anyway, that kind of scene, you can feel like whenever I watch those uh, fight scenes, because they already happened twice in one film, um, it's got a real sense of um, huge consequence if they don't make it out alive or stuff like that. Or it's just got mm. such a big impact, particularly with the music. It almost the the reverse kind of I don't even know what to call it. The that that kind of intense. Yeah, it makes it sound yeah. very almost horror like. It's got that kind of horror element feel to it for me. Um, mm. Yeah, like um, so. Th- this is actually just a, a little something I worked on a few years back. It'll have been twenty nineteen. I worked on this mm-hmm. um, little like album that I did called "These Strange Stars." I didn't release it or anything because it's back when I was working on uh, maybe or maybe not pirated version of Fruity Loops on an old laptop uh, that I don't use anymore. Um, yeah. So. I was very new to music production and stuff like that, but I was doing this album about like different types of stars and constellations and stuff. And then Mm. I did a companion album to it called inverted stars, which Ah. I literally called it inverted stars as well. Uh, It was uh, reversed versions of the tracks. Um, I didn't know Tenet was going to come out or anything. Obviously it was 2019. Mm. I had no idea about it. Um, Had no idea about the lockdown either. Um, So, you know, all of that was just nowhere near my brain. Um, Ended up writing this music. And I learned a lot of stuff about, like, if you want to reverse this sound, you've got to, like, plan ahead. Because the first one I did, I just wrote the piece of music normally and then reversed it. And it sounded Mm -hmm. really chaotic and weird, which I didn't mind. Mm -hmm. But then uh, for the other ones, I ended up planning, like, my melodies, my chord progressions, and uh, my percussion and stuff so that it would sound just as good backwards as it did forwards. Mm-hmm. But uh, one basic principle to think about when you're reversing sound, if you've got something with a very long decay on it, mm-hmm. uh, that turns into a very long attack. So for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, what that means, if you've got a sound that's going like, when you reverse it, instead of it having that really long uh, die out, it instead takes a long time to kind of wind up. So it's like, whoop, kind of thing instead. Yeah. Uh, and how we might reverse those sounds so that you can <laughs> hear the difference. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, <laughs> I like your voice performance more. Yeah, fair enough, man. Um, <laughs> the, 
And also, there's another thing I tried for fun where I, knowing what reversed percussion sounded like, I tried one time in a project that will never see the light of day ever again. I uh, I tried to do some reversed percussion sounds like a cappella, and then reversed mm. them to then so instead of doing like a for a kick drum, I don't know how much of that actually picked up on the microphone. Uh, I would instead do a so that when you reverse it it sounds like yeah so it's obviously not brilliant and uh the mic i was using back then was uh was a little bit terrible so and my production Mm -hmm. techniques were not good but yeah so um i i only have a little bit of experience with that um but here in Ludwig mm. Göransson's work for it, I mean, between that, Seriously. the Mandalorian, uh, Black Panther, he's unreal. He is he's insane. Just, he's great. He is fantastic, and he's always got this like electrical glitter to his work. Which yeah, is just, man, it's like, awesome. He's like, and we've both said, and people might disagree, but we both like him more than Hans Zimmer. <laughs> I, right, I I know I did say to you that I like him more oh, than Zimmer. Do not change. Hang on. Your, no, I'm not changing my mind. I'm, me. Just saying, I'm just saying. I do I do think I still hold to my opinion that I think he's the next Hans Zimmer, but I just want to qualify it because I have I have made a habit of hating on Hans Zimmer a lot uh, in recent times. I feel like a lot of that. I feel like uh, I feel like it's a bit unfair of me to have done that. Uh, especially when I went back over like a lot of his soundtracks that I love, and I was like, actually, Interstellar is such a banger. Like, Han- oh, I just, I just come to like get familiar with this idea of you know Hans Zimmer, the guy who puts his name on everything, even if he didn't write it, and Ghostwriters and stuff like that. <laughs> but like, his music is actually good. Like, there's a reason oh, why yeah. he's as famous as he is. But yes, <laughs> I definitely would still say Ludwig Göransson is, in terms of like as a young and up, well, I say young and upcoming yeah. composer, he's a well known compared now, to like, in his prime and yeah, 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 like based on what's already like the precedent that Zimmer set, mm-hmm. uh, Göransson can take that and I think he can develop it and lead it in a really cool new direction. Like for definite, I mean, like look what he did with the Mandalorian. He managed to oh, use like sonic motifs he he took these like textures and associated them with characters and events and ideas and then blended them all together and like a trap version of like the resistance theme it's like so cool and and the i know we need to talk about tenet some more but like but like like, the death troopers they literally have dubstep come on like i know know, (laughs) when is another film ever used dubstep i i really want to (laughs) know Exactly. Other than maybe like, like the Matrix, but even then, that was more like hip hop, I suppose. Like I'd techno. say, well, it was, yeah, I'd say that was more punk, like it's cyberpunk, essentially, kind yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, but honestly, we're, we're appreciating a very fine contributor and artist towards um, the film of Tenet. And honestly, I have listened to the soundtrack so many times. Yeah. Um, but the the overall point of why I, I really brought that kind of up was the just how intense a lot of the film is. Particularly, I feel the intensity of that fight scene um, in the vault in the airport, and all of that is literally to save cut. Um, yeah, right. You never you never realize it the first time round because you, you really are wrapping your head around literally everything. <laughs> why are but they when here? you? Yeah, legit. You like so many times I'm like, why are we here? And <laughs> you realize the impact of it and okay, 
what they've just gone through and how long they've taken to get back and it takes up a good portion of the film and you realize mm-hmm. oh it's literally to save cat and i love how the protagonist is instantly like okay we're not going to follow the uh we're not going to follow sata we're not going to make him the priority we are making saving cat the priority like yeah. that's a very clear um character definition in terms of what what he wants what he prioritizes like that's that's crucial to understanding mm. what he values. And you yeah, can even yeah. see in his performance and his gestures just how much he loves and cares for her. Although we don't fully know if it's romantic, we know that it, it it's at least a sense of sympathy. Um, and it's like deep-rooted as well. That's the thing. Yeah. It's not just this shallow, like like attraction or whatever it's like exactly. he genu- it's it's like a self-sacrificial kind of love yeah completely man and it's it's beautiful and I, we've talked about this before as well in that cat for me is one of the most awesome female kind of um protagonist slash main characters because i feel like and it's, it's a little bit of a sensitive subject but i feel like there's a lot of films that I made nowadays, particularly like female powerhouse cast in a new, fresh flick. And it's all about like feminism. And it's like, while it's so great what they're trying to do, they end up kind of making quite shallow characters, which is such a shame. We've talked about that in the new adaptation of Mulan, that she's, it's not like the original um, Disney film where she actually works her way through being around all these men and she ends up being awesome no, and this actually one, as well like has uh character flaws and strengths and like exactly. she learns how to overcome her flaws and all of that and it's very yeah. nuanced and i exactly. guess a part a lot of the film is her feeling like she has to become more masculine but then by the end of the film she embraces her femininity as well and that exactly. it's like the, the healthy balance and all of that so. exactly that's awesome unfortunately the new adaptation you're born with superhuman powers. She's magic. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's like no no character development for you. You are female, therefore you are going to be made just purely awesome from the beginning. And it's like, and we get it because we're, you know, the whole female empowerment thing. It, it's a strong thing. But at the same time, you've kind of losing the humanity with that. Yeah. And yeah. And that's kind of the point. And so there's quite a few films that attempt to do that, but they either make the female characters completely unrealistic or they make the men look literally awful um but in tenet i respect cat as a female character so much that for me is like the the epitome of like um feminism and, and female empowerment because she very wonderfully has has a great arc in terms of She's sacrificing a lot for her son. She is in an awful relationship with her husband and how mm. she herself is overcoming that. And as we've kind of said there, the relationship between her and the protagonist isn't like that of pretty much more spy films or anything like that where the female characters just, there's the funny kind of um, romantic interest Ooh, we get a little bit of a smooch here and there and it you know how they feel like just kind of they're alongside the main character but don't really do anything yeah yeah, yeah. it's like they have a genuine 
connection. And like we said, we can't, we don't know if it's actually romantic or not. And I think that's the point. It doesn't need to be, and we don't need that. Um, and it feels, it feels very grounded. One mm-hmm. of my, um, one of my favorite films as a kid that probably no one really knows is uh, I Robot, uh, starring Will Smith. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the character that accompanies him is a scientist and whatnot. And I remember as a kid asking at the end of the film because they're not romantic interests, and it's weird as a kid because every time there's a man and woman on a journey <laughs> together, they it's always practically like coded, isn't it? Into the yeah. Yeah, it, literally. I remember as a kid asking my parents, "So when are they going to kiss? Do, do they do, essentially do they get romantic after the film?" And then uh, obviously, <laughs> like grown up, I realized no, that's not the point. It's not about them. It's not that they're just two characters that have similar interests and that they're actually working towards the same goal without having to smooch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was one, and it's funny how a film like that can already set up something so interesting to be like, oh, they don't always have to be romantic and stuff like that. Anyway, that was a very, very prolonged way to say it. I really respect the way that Christopher Nolan um, ad- addressed that and, and really brought about a, a fresh idea of portraying like a, a female character. I, I thought it was very mm. refreshing compared to what we see in a lot of cinema, particularly in the genre that. Um, he created so yeah yeah it's good stuff man yeah <laughs>